Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As the Nationals are a strike away from franchise history and some World Series history. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! It's not a dream! It's not a desert mirage! It's Lord Stanley! And he is coming to Washington! Oh, great crossover. Got him. That's called getting put on skates. Down to two, down to one, and the Washington football team with the upset in Pittsburgh, handing the Steelers their first loss of the season, coming back from 14-0 down. What a win. The show by the fans for the fans. Covering all four major sports in the District of Champions. It's the DC Crossover Podcast with your hosts, Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson. Hello and welcome to the Washington Commanders Draft Preview 2022. Kind of crazy that we're in 2022 now. Felt like just two seconds ago we were in the COVID year uh, with everything and the draft process was all crazy. But we're joined here by Mitch Tischler of NBC Sports Washington. You can follow him on Twitter at Mitch Tischler, uh, Mitch underscore Tischler. I always forget the underscores, Mitch. Uh, and I always uh, mess up the underscores whenever I pronounce them as well. Uh, and he's part of the Washington Football Talk podcast with J.P. Finley and Pete Haley. So, Mitch, welcome into the DC crossover. Appreciate you, brother. How's it going? Uh, it's going in. It's going, uh, it's going in pretty well today. I mean, obviously, we have... Uh, some things going on in football world. We obviously have the draft coming up and a bunch of different things going on. The USFL just started as well. So a lot of football talk going on, especially because we don't have a lot of Nats talk going on as well. But uh, overall, uh, we're glad to have you on. Glad to have your insight for the Washington Commanders first NFL draft here for 2022. So let's get started. Let's get right into it. I want to get the juice uh, you know, out of the orange here and I want to hear your initial thoughts. I want to hear Mitch Tischler's initial thoughts about the Washington Commanders and how he thinks the draft should go. Because obviously the realistic viewpoint of the Commanders is always Commanders, Redskins, whatever you want to call it, Washington football team, all the names they've had. It's always been weird. It's always been a weird situation when it comes to the draft because everyone thinks, oh, they should go for a quarterback every single year. And people think, oh, they should go with this guy. They should go with that guy. It's always up in the air with this team. It's never like the Jaguars who are always first pick, it feels like, every single year. And they're always going to get a quarterback or they're going to get this guy. 
So what do you think? If you're if you're Mitch Tischler, the GM, who do you think they should go with for the 11th pick? There are a few franchises I would say are in worse position than the commanders are just <laughs> overall. And for you to bring up the Jaguars, there's, there's certainly one of them. Yeah, right, right. Uh, I mean, listen, to me, I think that there are improvements that need to be made on defense, but this team has spent so much draft capital over the past five years on the defensive side of the football that at some point you got to start addressing the offense and you hit on a couple third rounders and Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson, you got to get some elite speed. You got to get some elite playmakers. The biggest thing that this offense is missing is the big play. And part of that comes from the quarterback position, but this day and age in the NFL, you've got to be able to have game changers. You got to be able to have guys who, who can, who can, who can affect the way that the defenses have to, have to handle with you, have to handle you. And to me, I want to take the best offensive player on the board. So right. I, I'm most likely that's going to be a receiver. Uh, I think it's going to ultimately end up being Drake London. Um, I think Garrett Wilson's going to go, you know, a couple spots before, before um, the commander's pick and they're going to end up with Drake London. And I love what Drake London brings to the table. I think if you've watched any, uh, any tape from him, he made those USC quarterbacks last year look good because there were times that he was running open behind defenses and he just has to come back and adjust for balls. And you look at, you know, one of the stats that I love looking at for receivers in college that I think translates usually relatively well to the pros is the contested catch rate. And certainly you can look at contested catch rate and talk about, well, that guy doesn't get separation X, Y, or Z, but you can look at a guy like Drake London who has a high contested catch rate. And part of the reason he had to have so many contested catches was that his quarterbacks couldn't deliver him the ball on time <laughs> and in space. And so uh, I think he's a guy who fits in perfectly opposite of Terry McLaurin. I think he gives, you know, the big receiver that we all know that Carson Wentz likes to have. And I think he gives you a real viable option uh, as your as that number two receiver and opens up the offense a lot because then you can have Curtis Samuel play in the slot and play some running back. And assuming that he's going to be healthy enough to be out there, I think you can have him do kind of that Debo Samuel role that everyone saw last year uh, in San Fran, knowing that, your threats on the outside are legit threats. And so if it's me picking at 11, Drake London's there. I'm going with him. Uh, Garrett Wilson's my, my 1A. Drake London's my right. 1B. It's kind of funny that you mentioned USC quarterbacks because dating back to Carson Palmer, Carson Palmer is probably the only USC quarterback that actually had success in the NFL. And they get all the hype. For some reason, they get all the hype. And it's just like, same thing with LSU. LSU produces quarterbacks, and they just never pan out. I just don't understand what these big-name schools and how these quarterbacks never pan out. It's kind of crazy to me, but definitely. Hey, Drake, Mark Sanchez Drake. had the 80-yard handoff to Antonio Gibson on his first play up in <laughs> Philadelphia. So, I mean, you know, they've done okay. Uh, he also had a face full of butt, too, in uh, in, in, in New York, too. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to bring that up, but it just came out. All right, so obviously you're going with Drake London now. I think that when it comes down to the commanders, it's kind of weird because lately over the last, say, I don't know, 10 days or so, I said on the podcast yesterday that it's weird how they're always like now, oh, Kyle Hamilton, got to go with him, man, got to go with him. But wasn't it the last like two years we've been saying, oh, we have to get weapons, we have to get weapons? Because that's the biggest thing that I've been looking at over the last, I guess you could say two years as well, that... Terry McLaurin feels like maybe deep down he's kind of getting fed up with getting triple teamed and having Taylor Heineke throw jump balls to him. And he's getting, you know, he, he had that one catch late in the season where I, I believe he caught it. Like he looked like he was Megatron 20 feet up in the air and he like slammed down the ground. And it's like, I don't want my pro bowl receiver to be doing that. 
Like, I don't want my guy that's going to be our future on the outside to be doing that. So I don't understand why. And I, I get Kyle Hamilton's a really great player. But do you really think that realistically they are thinking in their draft room, hey, if Kyle Hamilton's there compared to even if Garrett Wilson comes up and say he drops somehow, some way, do you think they would say, all right, we're going to go with Kyle Hamilton over Garrett Wilson? I don't think over Garrett Wilson. Um, I, I think if Garrett Wilson is there, you're going to see the pick be announced two minutes into the 10-minute period that they right, have right. To, to make that pick because I think Garrett Wilson is – is that dude. And I think he's the best receiver uh, in this draft, but I think a lot of the things that you're talking about on offense with the way that it's played out over the past couple of seasons between Alex and, and, and Dwayne and the injuries and then having to go with Heineke and whatnot, right. the team, the, the coaching staff can explain away as, Hey, we made our, our big move this off season was go get Carson Wentz. And, you know, and, and that's, and so, Terry should be able to run open more because he's going to be able to deliver the ball downfield. Carson Wentz is a guy who can, can throw the ball sideline to sideline. He can throw to the opposite hash. It's something that Taylor Heineke didn't quite have the, the arm strength for, you know, Carson Wentz can be very, very good in the quick game and the timing game. And when you start getting good in the quick and timing game, that's when you can start throwing pump fakes in there and get guys going, going deep as well. So I think you can, the, I could see the team explaining away a lot of the need on offense do we made our big move and went and got uh, and went and got Carson Wentz and, and that's our big offensive move. You look at what this 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 franchise has done and it hasn't all been with with Martin Marty and, and Ron, but they spent a lot of early draft capital on defense and yeah yeah. I wouldn't be shocked to see them go Kyle Hamilton if he happens to be there uh, at eleven either. Um, I mean, you know, if one of these uh, if one of these corners drops, if Derek Stingley, you know, somehow makes it back there to 11. I could see them, you know, wanting to go there too. At the end of the day, you know, having a good defense is important in the NFL, but in modern day NFL, mm. I think a good offense covers up a lot of those holes on defense. And right. we've never seen Chase Young and Montez Sweat put their hand in the ground in the second quarter with a 14 point lead <laughs> and be able to pin their ears back and just go after a quarterback. You know, you haven't, we haven't seen these corners be able to play, a little bit of soft coverage and try and bait a quarterback into a pick because they always are playing from behind. Right. At some point for me, I need to see them make some real moves on offense, get the ball downfield, have a 70 yard touchdown, break big plays and get leads and let this, de- let's see what this defense can do when they're playing with a lead. And for me, that's why at 11, especially with the, with the lack of draft picks, this team has kind of throughout this draft, there's only so many opportunities to make a splash on offense. And I think, if you don't do it at 11, I think waiting till 47, you know, you might get, you might get a, you know, one of the top 10 receivers, but I don't know that that guy's necessarily going to be the playmaker that you would get if you end up with Drake London or Garrett Wilson at 11. Right. So when you're looking at Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson, okay. Say he goes because everyone's expecting him to go. If you have Chris Olave and Drake London there, now I know you, you like Drake London. He's your guy, but do you think with all the, the hoopla, cause you know, obviously mock drafts, you know, I saw a special, you know, last year or whatever that Mel Kuyper has been wrong, like 80% of the time. Okay. Do you think that they would say, all right, because Ron Rivera, as you already probably alluded to, uh, that he's known to get defense, even when he was in Carolina, he's gotten defensive players early in the draft and building up your defense is great. But like you mentioned right now in today's age, you got to throw the football and Carson Wentz, I think last year, 
he, he lacked the weapons except for Jonathan Taylor, obviously, but that kind of made up for a lot of his, you know, weapons that were not there on the outside. But I just think that in this day and age, like you mentioned, you have to have weapons on the outside to complement your best player or, or I should say arguably your best player in Terry McLaurin. And if you got a guy like Drake London, now you're kind of selling me on him because I started looking into him a little bit more because I was kind of on the Chris Olave train, but now you're selling me a little bit more now with uh, Drake London because I saw his stats today. I texted my buddies and I was like, man, Drake London, man, he's, I saw he had like six of eight games, like over 130 yards. I mean, it was, it was pretty impressive. And like you said, he, he's had big receivers in the past and Terry McLaurin, I think that would open him up. And you can think about this too. Let me throw this at you. You could see Terry McLaurin possibly do the short to intermediate routes more work on his route running. Then you have uh, obviously Drake London do some outside work, but then you can obviously let Deami Brown, if he ever wants to show up off the milk carton, go deep, which his speed is, is there. So, and also be pretty cool if you saw Drake London on the outside and Camp Sims in a red zone situation, those two ginormous behemoths. Uh, and Logan but, Thomas too. Yeah, and Logan Thomas too, that's I mean, right. <laughs> three receivers who are 6'6 six, six or bigger and big <laughs> bodies and can, can go up and moss some people. I mean, it's something that this offense has never had. It's never, right. We've never seen that. Right, right, yeah. And I, I totally agree with you too that it, it definitely affects the defense because it would be nice to have a – uh, a plug-and-play defender right now that would change our defense, but you never seen us, like you said, have a have a nice lead on a consistent basis. It's always like a random, you know, week seven that we are somehow upsetting the Bucks or something like that, and they're like, "Oh, nice, you know, we have, we have a huge lead somehow." But uh, yeah, I totally agree with you there. Now, let's talk about also with the, uh, the the trade down situation. They've been talking about that a little bit. And there, there's been some rumors circulating around the NFL about them trading down because kind of 11 is kind of like a limbo pick because you don't really get a top 10 guy for the most part, but you also have that, that 11th pick because I also told my buddy uh, on the podcast that it's kind of like a psychology thing. I think that like, if you, you don't have a top 10 because you're not trading a top 10 pick, you're trading the 11th pick. Uh, it's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of like a weird uh, mentality thing in my opinion, but what do you think? And what have you heard? about them possibly trading down and kind of gathering more capital because they gave away the couple thirds for Carson. I, I think 11 is going to be a tough pick to move for that reason. Right. I, I think that's just not, it's not quite the, the best thing that could happen would be two quarterbacks go in the top six and all of a sudden teams like Pittsburgh or right. somebody else, you know, further back who, who needs a quarterback, you know, get a little desperate and, and make a big move. I don't expect that to happen. So I think ultimately they're going to end up keeping 11 they definitely want more draft capital. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Martin Mayhew said it yesterday, and, and Ron has said they, they want to make as many picks. It's, it's interesting because Martin Mayhew talks about how dense this draft is, and by dense he means that there's not a ton of top end talent. But once you get at once you get to that second, third, fourth rounds, they think they can find you know everyday starters in those in those rounds, and that's something that Washington has done a couple times over right. the past you know three four years. You look at both offensive and defensive side of the ball, they found mid to late round guys who, who, who can be players. Unfortunately, they traded a fifth last year uh, for Cam Cheeseman. They got rid of the third this year for, uh, for uh, uh, Carson Wentz. And so I think you've got to be looking at 47 at that second round pick that they already traded back five spots with the, with the uh, Colts for. Um, I think you got to be looking at 47 and see if they're going to have an opportunity to turn that into maybe an extra third, a late, a later second, or maybe two thirds or something along those lines, because you know that they want to they want to go get some extra moves, and 
you know, there's a lot of talk about Deron Payne and, and I'm not going to um, extend him, which makes sense because they don't have the money to, to extend him plus whatever Chase Young and, and Montez, well, I guess first Montez Sweat and then what Chase Young will command in, in that time frame. And so they might, they're going to be trying to move. I believe they're going to be trying to move Deron Payne. I, I don't know that there's anything more than, than a mid third round pick that they're going to be able to get for him. So I think ultimately this team wants more draft picks. I just don't know that they're going to be able to manifest it because they just don't have the assets to, to really make that happen too much. Right. Right. And it's kind of funny that you see the Patriots every single year for some reason have like 15 picks and they're always like, Oh, the Patriots on the clock. Oh, the Patriots traded down one spot for three more picks. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. It would, it'd be, it'd be nice for one of those years that for that to be us for the most part, but. And, and the, real quick, the thing about the Patriots that's interesting is they do do that a lot. They trade down, yeah four spots for an extra sixth next year. And, you know, they end up with 15 picks. And a lot of times, you know, seven, eight of those picks are rounds four, five, six, seven. And those are those throw-in picks that you're able to move, that you're able to use yeah. to move up a couple spots. If the, if the commanders wanted to move up this year, not that they're going to, but if they wanted to go from 11 to nine or something like that, or 11 yeah. to eight, you know, to grab their guy, you throw in a couple extra fourth round picks and, or, you know, and those day, those day two, late day two, day three picks, and you're able to do that. And so that's just, you know, but you also have the Rams who give away all their picks and are able to win too. So <laughs> it goes both ways. You just gotta, right. you just gotta find a way to maximize what you got. Right, right, right. So yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, the Rams. I mean, geez, they're gonna be. I mean, I guess hopefully that Super Bowl was worth it. <laughs> but uh, would yeah. you trade away everything today, oh, yes. right now, yes. if you were a Super Bowl? <laughs> I was born in 1991, and I think I was in—I think I was a newborn. I guess you could say at the time of the Super Bowl. Uh, so yes, because they want. Actually, let me think about it. The 1990. No, I, I was actually maybe January of 92. 92. Yeah, I was born August August of 91. So yeah, I was I was six months. Yeah, it was a great game. Great game. Loved it. Uh, <laughs> loved right. it when I was six months old. <laughs> would you Would you trade? Would you have five years of purgatory to oh, win a Super Bowl next season? Love it. I would love it. Don't get, don't get, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not complaining for it because Sean McVay did the right thing. I think, and just, he went out and got Matt Stafford from that, that, that hell hole of, of, of Detroit. And they, they ended up basically just poaching him away and getting the Super Bowl out of him in the first year. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But um, let's go here. Let's talk about some, uh, some sleepers right now. Now, obviously people were talking about Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, blah, 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 whoever you want to throw in there, Matt Corral on the first pick that we had, but then obviously we now got Carson Wentz. Now we're talking about, is there someone that we could possibly have that comes in one of those early picks? Now, I think that they're probably not going to – they're going to stray away from that for the first couple rounds because we don't have that many picks, as you alluded to. But maybe in the fourth round. Does someone fall in the fourth round that's a QB, possibly, that is even worth it? Or do you wait until next year where it's more of a QB-heavy draft? I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm on board with taking a shot at one of the guys right. later in the draft. Um, Carson Strong, kid from uh, Nevada, is somebody that I like a lot. Right. Somebody who the commanders spent some time with. Um, what I love most about him is two seasons ago, he had a season-ending knee injury. They, Nevada kind of told him, hey, I don't think you should play your senior year, you know, because you're not, you're not quite 100%. And Carson was just like, forget it. I want to play. This is what I'm supposed to do. And went out and played. And so there's a lot of concerns about his mobility and what he's able to do back there. And he's had two major knee injuries the end of his uh, high school uh, career and then, and then again in Nevada, but I love that the mindset. I love the, the want to be out there, the want to play with his, with his teammates. He threw for 5,000 yards 
on a semi-injured leg and, and still was able to, to move the ball up and down the field. He's a big, strong body. Uh, he's somebody that I think could potentially develop into, you know, a starter maybe down the road, but I don't think the team can really afford to take a fourth round quarterback this year. You made, you made your bed at the quarterback position with, uh, with the Carson Wentz trade. And I think for Ron and, and Martin, I think they better hope that it pays off because uh, I think that it could, it could, uh, it could look, it could look pretty bad if, if things go south with them. So lastly, before I get to your little crystal ball prediction about Carson Wentz, because I want to hear your thoughts about that as well. Looking at the sleepers. Okay. One sleeper that is still baffling to me, even though I know he got injured and whatnot is John Mechie the third at Alabama. Okay. Wide receiver had like 97 million catches. Okay. Over a thousand yards. I understand he had the ACL, but do you think that he could be a flyer where they could even add more depth to the wide receiver position if somehow they go Kyle Hamilton? Uh, but I, I mean, John Mechie the third was a dominant force. Two of his last three games before he got hurt in the SEC title game, he had over 130 yards and double digit catches against two pretty decent teams. So what do you think about a sleeper like him that could be falling to, to us in the fourth round? Because right now I'm projecting him, well, not me, but I'm I've seen projections of him going a little bit later because of the injury. Certainly that could be interesting. I, I, I said this about Jameson Williams also, and I think it falls with, with John Mechie too. I think there are teams that can afford to take a little bit of a flyer, even if that player is dropping, but draft a player who is still rehabbing from injury coming back because they have the, 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 the team around them that they can kind of deal with a pick not panning out. And when we get to the fourth round picks, obviously those are kind of 50, 50 as they go, but I don't know that Washington sits there in that, in that boat right now, because right. you look at what happened with last year's draft, which quite frankly, wasn't particularly strong from this front office. And I think it puts a lot of pressure on them this year to hit. I think that they can't afford to really, I mean, they can't afford to have another draft where you get, you know, not a whole lot out of, out of it. And, and part of that was injury based and, you know, that certainly plays into it, but their first round pick was a guy that they, that, you know, a defensive coordinator who used to play linebacker and a head coach who used to play linebacker entirely missed on. And right. that's a, that's a, that's a pretty big, it's a pretty big mark against you. And if, you know, if you're going out there and you're not going to have a, have a winning season and, and, and make the playoffs and you have two straight years of, you know, kind of bust drafts, it, it starts building a book on yourself at this point in Ron Rivera's career, you know, maybe, maybe he's not the guy at that point. It starts, you know, you have to ask yourself some real questions going into the going into that offseason because whether it's next year two years from now or three years from now whenever it is this team is going to be drafting a quarterback or you would think that they are in place that they need to draft a quarterback and if this front office and coaching staff has proven that they can't they can't hit in the draft how can you trust them to draft your quarterback of the future your qbx <laughs> your your first round guy and so i, I think that i don't think that they, those guys are completely off their board but I think there's a lot of pressure on them to hit. And I don't think that I think that taking a shot on a guy who's coming off of a off of major injury might be difficult for them to, to handle. And like you said earlier, too, you can't have your job saved if you're hitting on Cole Holcomb, you know, Cam Curl. You, you, you can't get those type of guys and say, oh, we've had successful drafts. Yeah. Getting those diamond in the rough type of guys later in the draft is nice. But you got to hit on, on the, the plug and play guys that, you know, 
don't need development. You know they're going to go out there and just be dominant. So I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, we'll have to see what happens, obviously, this year. And hopefully somehow Carson Wentz, uh, you know, kind of reverts back to even goes back to last year everyone kept he keeps ragging on him for last year i know i'm not a huge carson wentz guy i'm not like a you know rah rah type guy with carson wentz but everyone keeps ragging on the guy like he, he still had a pretty good year yes he had one of the top three backs in all of football possibly the best the, the back best, in all of, the, yeah. the best yeah there the you best go. running back in all of football there you go and, and and that's just the thing is every you know that that overshadows some of his faults i understand that but you're looking at it, he still had a really good season with, as we said earlier, not that well, really good season with the weapons that he had, I should say. I should say, because it's not like he had a, a, a blazing T.Y. Hilton from four years ago. So I don't know. What is your crystal ball prediction as we close out this special? What do you think his crystal ball prediction uh, for this whole entire season is going to look like? I think that Carson Wentz is going to be the best quarterback this team has seen since Kirk Cousins left. And that might not be saying a whole lot, but certainly <laughs> it's been, you know, a few years now of, of some real mediocre quarterback play. And, and I think fans can be excited about that because I, I do think he provides you something at the quarterback position that they haven't had again since, since Kirk was there talked about a little bit earlier, but it's not just the deep ball that he's able to throw. It's the fact that he's able to throw sideline to sideline. It's the fact that he's able to throw some of those quick timing routes and, and get the ball out. And I think that's important because I think the biggest knock on Taylor Heineke, while he was all grit and, you know, I love watching him play because he's, he's the definition of what it means to like to, to make your dreams come true and, 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 you know, make, get these things done, you know, with, 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 with dirt and, you know, whatever else <laughs> at the end of the day, teams didn't have to defend, you know, the far side of the football field very much. They could, overload almost 10, 10 uh, defenders to the strong side because you just knew that any ball going to the opposite uh, hash marks or beyond was going to be floated out there and players with the speed that they have on defense these days were able to go and make plays over there. So I think that's, I think he's going to have a pretty good season. I think he's going to, you know, I think this team, they won seven games last year. They played a first place schedule this year. They play a third place schedule should be a little bit. They, they should get an extra win or two just on not having to play the you know murderers row of quarterbacks right. that they played last year they got absolutely nothing out of their first round pick last year and in, in, in Jamin Davis and honestly didn't get a ton from Sam Cosme either and Deami Brown and Ben Benjamin St. Juice had the concussions late in season and wasn't yeah. great hopefully those guys take a step I think that's a big thing that this coaching staff has to prove you've got to see these guys develop year over year so you know you hope that you get a little bit more out of them they're two big offseason signings you know weren't a whole they didn't get a whole lot of them Curtis Samuel was hurt the entire season William Jackson the third it took a little bit of time for him to get accustomed to this defense and start you know start playing some good football things get a little better there and for me you improved a pretty fair amount of quarterback so if Taylor Heineke was the quarterback of this team this year I would expect them to win nine games with with Carson Wentz I expect them to get to double digits I expect them to be a playoff team and I think anything less I think you got to move on from from Carson I think that I think that he's a good quarterback. I just don't think that he's a franchise quarterback. I don't think he's a guy that can lead you to winning meaningful football games. And as much as you want to look on paper that he had an okay, good season last year, I think that the proof is in the pudding on the field. And, you know, at some point your franchise, to me, a franchise quarterback is a guy when everything's not going well, puts the team on his shoulders and goes out and wins football games. And Carson wasn't asked to do a lot last year because he had such a great running back and they were able to right. move the ball up and down the field. 
that way. And so to put up, you know, numbers like 27 touchdowns, seven picks looks really good on paper, but he wasn't asked to do a whole lot. And when he was asked to do a lot, they weren't able to come through. And I'm not talking about just the Jacksonville game because it wasn't just the one game that they lost at the end of the season that did it. <laughs> like everyone that was says. the exclamation point on the season. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to me, I, 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 I'm not a huge Carson Wentz fan, but he is an improvement on what they've had and things should look better for them. I think that the commanders should be in the playoffs. And, and if they're not, I think you get rid of Carson Wentz and you, you start this whole thing all over again. And I think there are some real questions about, you know, if things go poorly, if they don't make the playoffs, if they're stuck in that, seven win you know area i think there's some real questions you have to ask about you know the coaching staff in the front office because somebody has to pick who that next qb quarterback is going to be and we know that if you don't have a quarterback in this league you don't have anything so you got to find somebody who can do it there are a lot of question marks going into this season like you said are the are the draft picks from last year going to pan out is sam cosby going to come back from all his his nicks and crannies and stuff like that with his injuries and somehow solidify that right tackle spot. Is Jamin Davis actually going to do something uh, a lot better than what what we had last year? A lot of question marks. I totally am in agreement with you with Carson Wentz, mainly for the sole fact that I'm not a big Carson Wentz guy myself, but he is an improvement. That's why I've been saying I'm not going to sit there and, and, and sugarcoat stuff and say like, you know, what some of the homers have been saying that, you know, oh yeah, he 27-7. You know, that's a great line for the most part when you're looking at compared to some other guys like, you know, Jameis Winston who threw 30 picks a few years ago. But also yeah, threw 30 I, touchdowns. Yeah, he did too. That's right. That's true. I mean, but, but it's, I just think that, you know, like you said, it's an improvement. And that's what this team needs is improvements. But that's what I'm talking about with the question marks. Is he going to go out there and have his prove it year be something or is he going to be a backup? That's, I think this year shows if he's going to be a career backup from now on or because he's going to be his third team. And if Frank Reich says, you know, sorry, man, but they, they outruled me here in Indy. And, I, you know, I'm the guy that brought you here for one year. If they say no, and then all of a sudden the Washington Commanders of all teams for quarterbacks says no to you as well, it's I think it's going to start, you know, going a very, very slippery slope. Anyway, Mitch, I appreciate you coming on, man. I, I, I know – uh, it's, it's been a uh, kind of a whirlwind over the last, uh, six months or so with all the news going out, uh, you know, with we're us losing people in free agency, getting Carson Wentz, this and that, all that kind of stuff. Well, I appreciate you coming on our Washington commanders draft preview, and hopefully we can have you on during the season. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mitch. All right, that's Mitch Tischler of NBC Sports Washington. Follow him on Twitter at Mitch underscore Tischler, the Washington Football Talk podcast with J.P. Finley and Pete Haley. Go follow it, and we'll see you guys next time right here on the D.C. Crossover.